Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the podcast Strikes Back. My name is George and you're listening to the weekly movie show with the boys, Connor. Hello. Benny. Hello there. Really stalled on that one right there. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in for another week of movie antics. Do we have a show for you? Oh boy, very Star Wars heavy show this week. We of course have to talk about the Mandalorian trailer which dropped earlier today, about six hours ago. Uh, that's going to be fun. We've also got some news about Game of Thrones creators or uh, creative chiefs. Showrunners, not creators. Um, yeah. uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Uh, we have some updates there. Some interesting uh, developments there. Plus also we're going to be talking about Watchmen episode two later on in the episode after question of the week. So hang around for that. And if you want to skip to any areas, just head to the annotations. This is going to be a monster episode, but as we always like to do before we get into the news, the trailers, everything else, let's catch up on what everyone's been watching. Connor. All right. Um, so I started by watching American Made, which is a Tom Cruise film, um, true story about a guy that flies planes that is recruited by the CIA to run drugs, guns, people, and just about everything from... Um, America to South America um, during the time of the Cold War. Um, we, and I think it came out, what, two, two, three years ago? Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, it, <laughs> Simultaneous <laughs> it, it answer. Kind of, it kind of came out and, and you know, left without too much of a scene. Like, I don't remember anyone really talking about it that much. No one, everyone just kind of ignores Tom Cruise. Yeah, Mission yeah. Impossible was if he's if his movies success are pretty good. Well, that's a big <clears throat> franchise, but I mean, you know, when a pretty good Tom Cruise movie comes out that no one can really make fun of, they just ignore it. Like when okay, the Mummy yeah, comes yeah, along, yeah. people take notice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I ended up watching it, even if it was a little bit late. And um, you know, look, I actually quite enjoyed this film. It's good. Um, I feel like uh, biographies or movies about real events they kind of live on this knife's edge where. I think it's really hard to make a story out of something that happens over several several years. Mm. Most movies are kind of well contained to within a couple of days or even a couple of hours, um, depending on the the type of film it is. Um, and so I feel like a lot of films might stumble, and you get a lot of that a lot of that with biopics. Um, but I thought this one maintained a level of urgency and a, and a level of kind of intrigue and interest it was more of one of those things where you just can't believe that these things are happening to this person and they seem so unbelievable and i think one of the things that makes it that much more entertaining is knowing that it's true because it's so utterly ridiculous it's a crazy story it was stuff that was like declassified or something by the cia wasn't it like yeah years after the fact <clears throat> oh yeah a lot, m many many years and it kind of details how this was the CIA's go-to guy mm. for getting um, guns um, and, and and all that down to the um, what was meant to be the Nicaraguan Nick. How do you say that? Nicar That's, you were so Nicaraguan. close that you should have just. Kept I should have just through, plowed yeah. forward. <laughs> um, uh, militia, rebel militia, um, and instead took dr uh, those guns to the Medellin cartel, um, and then was like shipping coke like mm. everywhere. Um, and just made an absolute shit ton of money in the process. Um, I was about to point out how good the, um, the some of the stunt flying is in the movie. Then I remembered 
like one or two stunt pilots died during the making of it. Did they really? Like, not surprising. Yeah, it's because it's, it's really extreme stuff. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's actually quite surprising how many stunt people die or are yeah. seriously injured on well, these. That films. article came out today. I was reading of the stunt woman on, um, uh, what stunt man on uh, Deadpool two mm, who yeah. died motorcyclist and the producers evidently told her and instructed her to not wear a helmet <laughs> a helmet mm. for the stunts and that's all unraveled and it was her first Emily was her first movie I, I don't I might be completely wrong and one of the first stunts of the movie mm. um, I mean it's just such a tragedy mm. uh, but it happens more often than you'd yeah. You'd like to know, and then and they've got to keep that that stuff under wraps. So well, it's um, not press. good press, really. It's not good and press. It's, um, it's not good press, exactly. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so watch that. Um. Cool film if you like kind of true story. Um. And yeah, the intrigue is is kept by just this kind of like, um. Uh. Just this disbelief that this is real. Um. I also watched a bit more Community, but we won't talk about that. Not done yet, or are you? Are you I'm, done I'm, I'm slugging through the last of it. It's it's become such a chore. You're in season six, yeah. Honestly, yeah. And, and my fiance just keep like looks at me and goes like, "Do we just want to quit?" Like, and and I can't because I'm so close. I'm like, I, I need to finally. That's finish why you should have quit in season three. I know. <laughs> um, but and this is a nice little roll on to you, Ben. Um, I I have been just going at, through Letter Kenny. So I watched the first two seasons last week, and I think I'm nearly done apart from the um, specials. The specials. Mm. So I'm in season seven now. Yeah, so that segues nicely into me. I This does not happen often, but I took one of your recommendations, Connor. Mm. You mentioned last week that you were watching the Canadian sitcom Letterkenny. Um, just there's no story to it. It's just a bunch of guys in a very small Canadian town, and it's extremely Canadian Canadia, uh, Canadia, Canadia, just does yeah. not stop. Um, and you showed me like the first scene of the first episode, and within thirty seconds, I was like, "All right, I turn it off. I'm ready to watch this show." Um, and now I'm just about to finish season five. You guys, scare, you guys scare me. <laughs> you, you guys fucking terrify well me, man. Yeah. So, so they're like six, seven episode seasons. Um, but yeah, I've been mainlining it. It is so watchable. I, Ugh. I don't want to oversell it, but you undersold it. I know. I know. Well, I have to. It is. It is poetry. I. Honest to God, I'm going to sound insane here, but I would compare it to Shakespeare in how beautiful and lyrical it is and how little of it I understand. It's, um, it's a bit like that. And I, that's kind of why I undersold it, because if I told you that there was this kind of like Canadian kind of hick, mm. you know, rural sitcom thing that, that you know, is as, as beautifully written as I mean, maybe it's literal poetry. Yeah. You'd been like, all right, well, fuck off. <laughs> do you, well, well I kind of was like that already, but then you showed me the show. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. That. By poetry, do you mean cutting out any space between dialogue between two people? No, I mean, it's no. the most well-written that, that comedy. Like, I mean, it's the most well-written comedy dialogue I think I've ever seen in my life. Right. And, and they okay. are so It's literal diverse. poetry. Pipe, 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 pipe. It um, is so diverse. You guys the way that love they... that. Well, who's that? Who's those other guys you love? Uh, the part where they got the podcast. Oh, Jake and Amir. Jake and Amir. And it's that same really fast, really intense. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, similar. I I, yeah. I find that this just doesn't quite work for me. For Some people reason. just can't keep up. Huh? Yep. This is <laughs> like leave me back here. I'm a fucking tortoise. I would slow. almost say that this is back more diverse day. than Jake and Amir. Or oh, it's a very different kind of thing. Because all, all that I mean is purely on the that really fast, action-packed dialogue going back and forth. 
Um, and it's not bantery kind of like that Judd Apatow style. It's that really fast. In fact, I'd say it's more bantery than anything. I mean, that's the whole premise of it. Is, but it is, feels very sort of scripted and yeah. like um, going back and forth. The Judd Apatow style is like quite like it's ad lib. and Yeah, like they, they speak in a way that would be impossible for humans to yes. speak in, which yeah. is part of where my the comedy not is. entirely joking comparison to Shakespeare is like yeah. it's clearly written dialogue and yeah. it's beautifully written. So that that style, like I, I, I roll the dice. You guys love it and that makes me hate it more. I can um, tell. So, George, hey. you've been talking down the show a lot for someone who hasn't watched it. I just <laughs> yeah. want to could agree with Connor yeah, yeah. for a bit here and say this show is absolutely amazing. There's a reason I just watch five seasons in a week. Um, and I don't think anyone's really ever heard of it necessarily. So if you can track Certainly it down. Not in Australia. If you can track it down and you think, I don't know, you're looking for just a new comedy that you're going to get really hooked into, look up Letterkenny. It, yeah. I'm going to derail this. Love it to bits. <laughs> it is good. And it is dangerously addictive in the sense that you'll start using their mannerisms and their sayings. Peter Patter, let's get at her. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, I, I have to stop myself. I do not want to stop myself. <laughs> I want to, I, as soon as I finish this, I'm going to start again because I think it might be the most rewatchable thing I've ever seen, oh, partially because I'm only following half of it because it's yeah. so fast. Um, and I, I just want to watch it until I am it. All right, here's the ultimate yeah. test. How many episodes per season? Six or seven. Fuck, you might... This might go over the line. And it's like, what, 20, 25 minutes per episode. Yeah, I like it. Um, it is it is super... Flies by. BBC style, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's like it, it honestly doesn't overstay its welcome. It's a little bit light on plot in terms of like, there's enough to keep your interest and, and there's an arc over the six um, seasons. But it, it is, it feels very kind of... It's not really about that. It's not. It's not really. It's about these kind of little situations that crop up in these... I'm not trying rounds. to upset you guys with the you fast dialogue me. thing, all right? Well, you I know mean, what, you guys George, look you a little have. bit upset. You know, speak a bit faster, Jody. Um, it's it's Benny, also what, what, what do you got up next, man? Uh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> too much. What do you um, got up next in your? <laughs> I needed a Canadian accent. Um, I oh, also wait. watched in the spirit of Halloween, which is not really a thing in Australia, but um, Netflix's new scary movie Eli, which. Every Netflix horror movie that comes out, you always see that stupid article on Facebook. It's like, oh, people can't get through this one. It's too scary. (laughs) And of course, I completely ignored that and just watched the movie, which is getting kind of middling reviews. And sure enough, it was just sort of fine. It was about like a boy who, like a bubble boy, can't go outside because the air will burn him alive, um, who has to go to this like institute where they're going to fix him. But it's like a haunted manor. Um, And you watched the trailer for that. The trailer was intense. Yeah. Um, the movie does have its moments, definitely, and it certainly veers off in the last 20 minutes or so into something uh, very different than a lot of these other haunted house movies. Uh, it really gets a lot of points for absolutely swinging for the fences. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't not recommend it if you're looking for just kind of a quick, uh, scary little thing. I was going to chuck it on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give it a go. And I, I have, <clears throat> I feel like a broken record at this point, but I think that's what Netflix is perfect for. Mm. Um, putting out content that is not many of um, their content is going to like really blow your mind. They do have those every once in a while, like, you know, Haunting of Hill House um, uh, as an example. But I mean, they are really consistent at putting out um, content that is like a good, you know, Friday night film. If you're not, you sound like a broken record. Why do you guys undervalue, undervalue Friday nights so much? You're always saying, "Oh, yeah, it's it's all right for a Friday night. Friday night is important <laughs> prime time." All right, I'm, I'm not watching. I'm not watching Friday anything. Night. Yeah, Friday's like watch, dumb fun. If I would watch a movie on Friday, which I wouldn't, for the record, it would have to be a goddamn masterpiece. <laughs> 
I'm 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 anyway. Fairly, we value our time. I'm fairly boring. Ways. Like I can't. <laughs> by the time Friday rolls around and someone's like, "Do you want to go out?" I was like, "Please no." <laughs> Just let me. No, I have this movie I really need to watch. Yeah, let me. <laughs> this five out of ten Netflix film. <laughs> fall asleep on the couch and. Yeah, anyway, that was oh, me. well. Nice. I have literally not watched anything, including Watchmen. Oh, so no. I'm going to have to leave. I'm going to have to leave because I'm not getting anything spoiled. Absolutely. So oh, I'm, you fool. I, I'm, I, 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 yeah. Listen, we'll talk about it some other time. Can I take your place then? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. So You're on the team. I watched, the I team. didn't mention last time, I also watched Gemini Man, um, which uh, you did Connor, talk about it last week, didn't you? Connor, you have seen, not on not on the show. Oh, okay. Um, that's right. We talk outside of the show. Wow. Um, we did. That one time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Connor, you saw it in uh, HFR, yep. Super 3D. Yep. They, they spit in your face. As it was meant to be seen. Supposedly, yeah. And I saw it as a, as a regular film, 24 frames a second, um, in very comfy seats, because um, my usual cinema did not take it for a very good reason, <laughs> evidently, because that movie bombed. Um, I not much to say about this movie. I actually didn't mind it too much. I thought it was it was kind of okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it, some of the direction was really strong. Some of the action direction and CGI Will Smith at best looked pretty darn good when he was kind of stoically standing there, and at worst looked uh, really awful. Um, most notably in one scene towards the back of the movie. Oof, uh, yeah, where, yeah, he's just an absolute cartoon character. But that was bizarre. Like it That's was kind of great. It, it went mm. and and that was that really threw me for a loop because the quality on it was so far removed. Like, I mean, at at worst, you were like, ooh. At worst, it was uncan- uncanny valley. It yeah, didn't feel like a bad effect. Exactly right. You're like, yeah. this is still impressive. Like, mm. I still was, um, you know, and the performance kind of sold it. And all. Yeah, you know, but it wasn't going like, oh, this is some really wonky. Like, someone fucked up here. I was like, that's they're pushing technology to where it can go now. Yeah, I, I've um, heard- whereas that one scene at the end was like. The f- who the fuck mm, yeah. dropped the ball on this? I've heard that's PS4 level uh, graphics in that particular scene. Uh, the you one know, that we're talking, like the bad yeah, one that we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, not even like uh, just nineteen ninety four. Yeah, it's it's not it's not the, the, about the amount of polygons or something. It's in it. It's the the execution. It just looks really really off. Yeah. But that that kind of like cutscene of. Uh, mm. You, know. you don't have a PS4. Cutscenes are really good now, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what, what, how you make that comparison. <laughs> Somebody told me that it looks like a, one of those sort of animatic 3D, you know, cut cut sequences yeah. where they do the mocap and it kind of always looks a bit off. Yeah, yeah something's or not connecting. It doesn't quite right. work. Yeah, um, which is really comparable to something like that. Such a such a. I was going to say such a ball drop. <laughs> they, really, they really dropped the ball, I guess, because because <laughs> doesn't quite work without yeah, the, the, the proper grammar in there. <laughs> having that as the last thing you see of him in the movie on the way a out, like that must have tanked there. some of the reviews. Yeah, there. yeah. Anyway, I, I really actually didn't mind the movie. It was a very kind of small, low stakes, very nineties action thriller. Yeah. Do you think I'll enjoy it? I think you'll like it. Yeah. Hell yeah! When yeah. you chuck it on on Netflix, and or as something. I said, like yes. it's good action. Will Smith is is Will Smith is good in it. Um. But uh, yeah, it's no iRobot, baby. Nothing ever will be. Nope. Shall we get on with the news? We is shall that everything, it. George? <laughs> is that I was going to talk you? about something, but I can't be fucked. All right. Let's what are we going to talk sure. about? No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, All right. I'm happy to move on. remember, Kate. No, I was going to talk about just that mother director on I Am Mother on Corridor Crew. Yes. Yeah, you shouldn't have mentioned that. The I just thought that whole episode was really interesting. Yeah, so Corridor Crew, these YouTube guys, special effects house that we've been mentioning a few times lately, they're blowing up on YouTube. We don't need to tell anyone about them. 
But um, really yeah, doing them a favor. They had they had the like, you're on your boys. Uh, they had the Australian director of I Am Mother uh, on recently to kind of do the opposite of what they normally do and work out which effects were CGI and which were practical. But because of this movie, the the practical effects are so accomplished that you just kind of assume they're CGI because yeah. how good it looks. Yeah, and the most fascinating element of it was that was him taking picking apart the scenes explaining what was real, what wasn't real. And also the the most interesting part of it was came down to storytelling where, you know, there's a, there's a few sequences in the film with this robot interacting with this baby, this toddler. And, um, you know, he sort of said, you know, he sort of said creative choices or, or, or different takes were used for different reasons. And, you know, sometimes the baby got, a, they got a better performance out of the baby with the mother in mm. the scenes, the the real mum, the baby's real mum in the scene. Um, so they used uh, CG to, to sort of cover up her hand and whatnot and replace her hand. And in other mm. scenarios they actually got a better um, performance with the practical robot. So it, it was just, it was just fascinating that, that, that there's so many variables on a film set that you don't think about, mm. you know, um, you think, oh, why do they do it this way to execute? Well, there's a, there's hurdles, there's there's challenges on set. So many um, little bits and pieces that contribute to, you know, uh, an above average movie and, and something that doesn't make the cut. I really enjoyed. There's it's, a, you know, it's just something that's not really talked about a lot. I mm. love the one at the the very end where the guy basically um, ran around naked because that was the best way to get lighting and shading because it was a dark scene and they yeah. figured if if they were in the the mocap suit or, or the the general suit that they wore to do that that they they just wouldn't see him and so it was a bit useless. Yeah. I was like fuck that's I Makes mean that is some amazing behind the scenes footage. I can't remember who who wrote this or who it was about but they were talking about filmmaking as purely problem solving and I think it was as like a defense for a film that bombed or something. Mm. It's really going to bother me now. But they the the thesis of the whole thing was about how every day there are problems and your job is to think about, you know, inventive ways on how to fix those problems. Mm. And it went some way to explaining why movies don't turn out the way that you might want them to turn out or how things can get kind of out of control or, you know, why, again, when you're watching a movie, you're like, why the fuck didn't they just do that? And he's like, it's just people on the day trying to figure out exactly. how are we going to fix this problem. Um, I wish you're I in a high pressure situation. The- you know, I started a little video production company early this year, and like, you know, you you book in the time with the client, and it's like you have four hours to get all your stuff. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, oh, oh, can we come back for an hour? Nah, the you, the invoice is paid. You got to deliver on the. The good. So the same with you know a two hundred million dollar movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, shit, man. You know, this, this is like a freight train going. And yes, you said kind of problem solving. Like, you know, what what happened? Um, who who recently injured themselves on set and they had to halt all production? Oh, John Cho on John Cowboy Cho. Bebop. Yeah, he broke he broke his leg in what what was described as a freak accident. It sounds terrifying. <laughs> Uh, he's out and he's out for nine months so, 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 that, so what problem solving do you do there you know do we yeah, do we, do we continue quit. with John Cho or do we replace him or do yeah. we start the whole production can you imagine how many this? schedules they would have to reorganize yeah. I mean that's a, that's a that's a major example yeah. and there's also like oh this daylight is coming through this scene in this mm. way yeah. do we need extra lights or whatever there's a bunch of movies where you like if you look at the commentary they're talking about how we had to shoot from this angle because they were in a cast or because they you know, were limping or something like that and it just kind of goes to show you, like, they're just trying to get by on that. 
on that day just being like, oh, how the fuck are we going to shoot this mm. scene? How are we going like, to get it? You know, um, ticking your box. Ticking yeah. box. Well, I always say, and I genuinely, genuinely believe it's amazing that any movies are good at all. Oh, yeah. So right. It's, and and it's got to be at least part accident. All righty. On to the news. News time. Uh, the world is in mourning. <clears throat> We received some very devastating news today. Uh, Game of Thrones, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss have walked away from their deal with Disney's Lucasfilm to launch a feature film trilogy in 2022. So we're not, getting, we're not getting our uh, Game of Thrones Star Wars movies. This is interesting because it's saying that uh, Benioff and Weiss walked away as if they were like, nah, I don't think that we want our well, names they inked, so they to inked a Star Wars. a massive deal with Netflix. Yeah, the specific reason cited is that they have too much work that they're doing with Netflix on that, uh, what, nine-figure deal that they got, um, and they don't have the time to dedicate to, to Star Wars. 100% uh, Lucasfilm was like, we got to shut this down. Um, your names are literal poison at this point. I think there was a number of factors. This decision was probably made six months to a year ago. Mm. Um, how how long ago did that Netflix news come out? That that the, they they couple months. They got some huge dollars there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's an obvious choice from every angle, and I think we called it. Uh, well, we can go back to the episode. This is an artifact, you know. But I think we did call it. Um, I certainly I think see, I seem point, unsurprised by yeah. this news. Course, I think at one yeah. point or another, we have called all the the Star Wars properties as being every scenario know, very very yeah. close to the chopping. Block. I think we forget what we say, so yeah. we we, <laughs> kind of, we call every, <laughs> which means that we're always right. Absolutely. Every um, option was and there's no way to prove it. Wrong. <laughs> but I, like I I do think that um, to kind of double down on what I've just said is that. Every property right now that isn't actually currently in production and at least halfway through production, I'd say, is is inches away from being yeah. on the chopping block. Like yeah. I would not be wildly shocked if we never got that this Obi Wan um, series that we've been promised. No, I think um, that's coming. Well, I mean, that but is. I look. I would have told you that Solo was was they would never fire directors, you know, two weeks out from a um, them finishing the film. But they did. I think that the franchise in general is kind of at that point where <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy is sitting there with like a hatchet and being like, I'm fucking crazy. I'll do it. I swear to God. No, I, I'm not sure. I think they've done a lot of learning. You know, Solo didn't work out. Uh, Rogue One might have cluttered up the movie schedule to be too overcrowded. Uh, you know, now they're going for a much more seemingly so you know, much lower volume of movies released cinematically um, and a much higher volume of TV shows, Disney Plus content. Mm. And I think that was always probably the better way to go. The <laughs> movies are the cinematic events that come out every five, ten years and have that, you know, new, shiny, what the fuck's going to happen in this trilogy feeling. Yeah, as of today, don't we only have one official Star Wars movie in the pipeline after episode nine? Which is the Ryan Johnson? Yeah, and, well, that's, isn't and John that's Favreau on the rocks. No, no. Isn't John Favreau attached to a trilogy? Um, Kevin Feige. Oh yeah, and Feige's got uh, something as well. So, but theoretically, they could be the same does, thing. Is John, does John Favreau have a, a Star Wars movie? Yeah, I'm or, not sure. Or a trilogy? No, I think uh, he could. The Mandalorian. I mean, every but, uh, third person in Hollywood seems to have a trilogy <laughs> at yeah. this rate. They're all just claiming. Uh, so now that Ryan Johnson had a property, I, I thought that. That John Favreau, or maybe I was thinking of Kevin Feige. I think it's hard maybe to kind Kevin of... Feige. It could have been Favreau, but I can't seem to remember that. However, um, from recent interviews that I've seen with Ryan Johnson, 
he's been playing very, very coy on whether or not he will be involved. Oh, we'll see what happens with Lucasfilm. Mm. But that's my point, right? Oh, that's right? possibly... He's going to be I think everything's gone. on the chopping block. I, I, I think, that I they, think they're going to clear house of everything. Yeah, yeah, other than yeah. Feige. I think Feige's going to be the only one. I don't... What, what, what is the upside for Disney to, to do a film with Ryan Johnson? You know, like, I love Ryan Johnson. Make a good movie. Knives <laughs> Out looks awesome. <laughs> But, you know, like, look at all the bad press of Last Jedi. He's, in terms of Ryan Johnson's association with Star Wars, you know, I wouldn't blame Lucasfilm for saying, see you later. Because from a business sense, not a filmmaking sense, because I love The Last Jedi, but from a business sense, I would understand. I think, though, that maybe they've given up uh, D.B. Uh, Benioff and Weiss as, like, the sacrificial lamb here, though. Because I feel like... They actually managed to have a worse reputation than Ryan Johnson Definitely. after Game of Thrones, the final season. And Knives Out is going to be from all, all you know, yeah. it's, it's looking to be a great film. And critically and financially, Last Jedi did well enough. And I think there are enough kind of, like it was mixed opinion enough. Like it wasn't an overwhelmingly negative opinion overall. 1.3 billion at the, the box office. I totally yeah. agree with that. So I think there were, it was kind of a blessing that uh, Game of Thrones that season happened. Remember they only announced that they were working with them in like Feb just before that season came out. They must have been ever since then just kicking themselves. Can you imagine walking out of the deal and being like, we got the Game of Thrones guys to Star yeah. Wars. And they would have been like, Woo! we got Star Wars. <laughs> we're talentless. Yeah. How do we do that? <laughs> um, they, just, they just had a, a thing recently, actually. No, they just had a thing recently about... It's kind of their first public speaking about Game of Thrones, I think, at a film festival in Austin. Yeah. And the stuff they were saying is like, man, these guys had no idea what they were doing. They were just making this up as they went along, relying on everyone else to kind of lift it up. Uh, can you... Also, one of them wrote Gemini Man, <laughs> which, uh, man, of the few good things about that movie, the script is not one of them. Can you tell me a little bit more about uh, what what they were saying at this festival? like Just saying, that, like, just literally saying like that they didn't know what they were doing. Like right, that they would get an unprepared. Someone was live tweet sharing, yeah, live tweeting, yeah. yeah, and they were doing it in a very like they were probably coloring it to sound worse than it was, but um, the direct quotes were like pretty like, ooh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to delving. <laughs> but do you into think that. that that people get a little bit hyperbolic? I think everything. About- I think everything I've ever heard them say publicly about the way they work really has made me cringe. Like, wow, they do sound like they kind of suck, and everything that they've. Had a really clear creative hand in. I've kind of been like, yeah, no, no good. I so I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm very glad to have them off this approach and say, hey, there's there's some there's some reason you can't get to that level mm. without ha- having having some kind of system or talent. Mm. Um, so maybe the system is surround yourself with the best and rely on a great team. Hey, that's get a, a really good, good book series. That's a really good strategy. Mm. Um, but I, I I am. Personally, on Star Wars news, I'm on a little bit of a Star Wars high and this is only taking me to new <laughs> levels. It's so weird when you get like anti-news that makes you happy about a series. That doesn't happen too often. It's happened today though. So yeah. embrace the feeling, baby. Yeah. Embrace the feeling. We've got more Star Wars news. Yep. Next up, uh, the next one in the can, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker is tracking for a huge opening weekend, um, but it is the lowest of the new trilogy of films. So, so a, lot of, a lot of mixed messages coming out of this one. So last week, I believe we mentioned the fact that within the first hour of uh, tickets going on pre-sale, that the Rise of Skywalker had eclipsed Endgame in uh, 
pre-sales, pre the sales total pre-sales on, on, on Fandango in the first or, or, hour. Okay, yeah. So, so the comparable the amount. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Within the first hour. Gotcha. So that's pretty cool. But as a, a as a very small metric, when we're looking at the bigger picture here, and obviously the social media tracking and whatnot, um, you know, Rise of Skywalker is looking to be not as healthy as Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Is this that surprising? No. I mean, look at the public discourse going on with uh, Star Wars. It's mm. all over the shit. What are they doing? I no. still think that it will make an ungodly amount of money, if nothing else, but that it is the finale of this nine movie kind mm -hmm. of. And they're definitely going to play that up. Mega thing. Do you think they're going to do, um, like, are you talking like bigger money than uh, uh, The Last Jedi? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, it just has, it has the kind of cultural hot ticket of being the final one mm. right in this in the skywalker journey and i think I'm that there's sure enough they're pushing it that much like do you think they're <clears> i don't think they have to much? right they don't they don't have to i mean if you if you haven't heard of star wars and you don't know that this is the final one in the star, uh in the skywalker trilogy i mean it happens though, man. then that's... you're then you're what one in 50 I don't know. That's in, a mindset in, we're so far detached from. But there, there are the people out there. If they don't see a, a a poster on a bus, they don't know a movie's coming. Like I would literally, if I asked my my colleagues at work, you know, what's going on with Star Wars, they'd be like, "What the hell is Star Wars? Who are Do you? Know you? What I mean, get like, back to work." The, literally, I mean, the I, level well, of paying attention is is at on a completely but they know what different. Star Wars is. Of course, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But like, if I said, "Hey, have you guys seen the new trailer?" Crickets. Yeah. Um, hey, are you guys pumped for the last Skywalker? What's yeah. what's that all about? I was gonna say, like my you know, fiance never watched a single Star Wars film in her life, but she knew the basic like beats and she knew what it was about. And I was like, you can't escape that in popular culture. Yeah, lightsabers, Darth Vader, exactly. blah blah blah. So I mean I think that Pete like Definitely. this will have a base level of cultural impact of course. that you cannot escape. It's one and of I the biggest brands in the world. But, yeah. that, but Solo, I mean, you know, Star Wars, we can't just rely on the IP. Solo is yeah. a bit different though. Solo is, is Solo distinctly is. a side project. It is, but it's still got the Star Wars label slapped on it. And they have to be careful here. Yeah, I mean, that was the most recent Star Wars movie and it performed so terribly. Comparatively, yeah. Um, yeah, I like 400 million at the box office. That is abysmal on what would easily be a $400 million budget. <laughs> um, yeah, I, my gut feeling says that this would do better than last Jedi, worse than force awakens, because like you said, Connor, it is the big finale. Um, and I feel like there'd be enough people who, even if they didn't like the last Jedi would be like, no, but JJ's coming back from Force Awakens. This is yeah. maybe more like a right, sequel the ship to that type yeah. thing. Yeah, but um, I do. There's no way it's going to capture the the that huge feeling and the, the zeitgeist like Force Awakens did. I feel. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think that that's that's fair. Force Awakens could potentially be the highest grossing Star Wars film we'll ever get. Mm. This one's going to be the longest. It is. They just announced it's about three minutes longer than Last Jedi. I think. Uh, really? How long was Only Last three... Jedi? I, I, that's what I heard. Okay, 152 minutes, 155 minutes, I Ooh, think. 40. You're two hours 30. That's good. That's good. We need that kind of time. We need that kind of runway. For, for that one, not for <laughs> that. I'm just we thinking do. about Last Jedi. That's a two-hour film that was for two, or that's a, what was it, two and a half hours? So two and a half. That's a two-hour film that took two and a half hours. Canto bite, baby. <laughs> just see you later. We got, we got some more news Anyways, from yeah, the Star Wars realm. Yes, uh, in, in sad more. news, um, 
Ewan McGregor, who we all thought we knew and loved, has been lying to us. What? Mm. Apparently he's known about uh, coming back for this Obi-Wan project for four years now. That's bullshit. It's outrageous. I thought he was for the people, man. I know. I, know. I don't Look, believe I it. I think I this is for the, you know what he's for? He's for his wallet. You know what I reckon <laughs> this is? Clearly. And I haven't I haven't read the article or anything. I saw I I did some headline skimming for this one. But what I reckon this is is some uh person within the Star Wars scaffold has been like talking to McGregor and been like kind of wink wink, yeah, we'll get you that thing. And that's what he means by I've known that this is on for four years. I don't think that anyone has actually grin. This hasn't been greenlit for four years. I mean, he's been open about being okay to come back for the role. So I'm sure they've been in communication for ages yeah. about it. But yeah, the project would have morphed so much over this time. There's no way it wasn't a movie like a year and a half ago. And he referenced that. He referenced that. He said, yeah. he said this was once a movie and mm. now it's a TV series and I'm really happy that it's a TV series because we get to sort of look underneath the hood yeah. a bit more so and spend what, more time with the characters. What is he been lying about then? Like that's the part I don't get. This is like click. I was, I was just worse. kidding. I was just kidding. I just thought the headline, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to bring this one up. Um, the fact that he's... Um, but that's I've seen that in the, really? the headlines about it. Like I've, I, like, I mean, it's hilarious. This one. It's just clickbait. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, but I, 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 I am feeling very optimistic about this this piece, and I'm feeling very optimistic about Star Wars in general because Mandalorian. You know, we're going to talk about the trailer a bit later, but you know, it's a little bit of a preview. I think that's looking pretty damn cool. Do you want me to bring you back to reality? And it's yeah, because you're a sucker, Joe. And I will say this. Let's I see. Didn't... Let's see how Last Jedi, uh, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker <laughs> turns out. I, I, uh, I actually didn't mention this in the. Um what we watch section, but I, I did, uh, I've been on a quest to have my fiance watch all of the Star Wars yeah. properties before, before, um, right. Rise of Skywalker. Nice. Comes out. So we ended up going through Phantom Menace on the weekend. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I'll, I'll save my full kind of comments on that. Maybe we'll do it next, next week for, um, uh, for what we watched, but I will say that that is a bad film. And people that have mentioned about how that is so much better than The Last Jedi need to get your head screwed on straight. I mean, seriously. It's it's chalk and cheese. It's just, it's so different. Now this is part Yeah, racing. fuck me. If you actually think that The Last Jedi is worse than um, Phantom Menace, then... Jesus. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I, I, I'm once, I think I mentioned this like six times on this podcast but i'm really excited for us to do a retrospect episode oh yeah i 100 percent. once lo- the rise of skywalker is all said and done i'm really excited yeah. to i'm going to through that re-watch. right now i've just i've just gone through the original trilogy we're we're making our way through the uh prequels now what's um, the likelihood a, a score out of 10 10 being the most likely one being the least likely is the rise of skywalker going to improve the phantom menace for you even by one percent improvement. Improve. Yeah. Do you think how, there's like how, some little what detail? Do you think that some they would little take? detail, like when C three PO is about to die, and he says, "Hey, remember how Anakin made me?" There's a battle. Internally. There's a battle road in that scene in the background. Yeah. Um, I mean, no. Is, Look, I don't is think there because any... because the the story of the Phantom Menace has never been my issue. Right. The beats have never been my issue. It's how it's executed. Yeah, if, yeah. if the, if the last, if you the final, the if the Rises of Skywalker's 
can improve the acting oh, no. in Phantom Menace, <laughs> then, then, then maybe we'll, then we'll talk. The Rises yeah. of the Skywalker. You yeah. have been watching too much Little Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that like if you take the prequels and you tell it as a story to someone, it's dope. that sounds awesome. It's dope. It's great, right? Yeah. Like, oh, cool. Easy it's, to see how that got greenlit. It is, seriously, it's the, ec- it's the execution of how that is done that makes it such a fucking... It's all Jake Lloyd's fault and he deserved everything he got. Oh, my God. Oh, poor man. That kid, is terrible. Man. Have you seen I some know. of the interviews? His life got ruined. fucking heart, yeah. man. Well, he also, he also developed schizophrenia. Jesus. Like, because I, I, I looked at it and I was... Because uh, um, my fiance was asking, like, oh, where is he now? Like, he got a role in the, the biggest franchise yeah. on the world. And I was like, uh, he did, like, one film and then he dropped off the planet. Child yeah. acting is 2% removed from child sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> it really it's is just thrown out close. into a big hole. Which is why I think everyone's like so quietly impressed, or not even quietly, quite loudly impressed with kids that come out of that machine like and aren't completely fucked up. Yeah. Wow, I will say, well I am impressed with the Kardashians and the Jenners. I, I, what? I, I am very impressed with the amount of commitments and whatnot and how messed up they could be. They they no, actually not, not many scandals or anything. It's pretty. They keep it together. Like a well-oiled dude. machine. They yeah. keep it together. It's very impressive. Very maybe that's very, got some very, good very fixes. What, am I? Am I? What? Sorry, you don't agree. The Kardashians. You don't agree that they're good they they literally people? got their fame out of. Um, out do you know how easy it is to do? You know, look at Paris Hilton. Yeah, she like has not maintained a career. They've still got it. They're still they're still at the top. How do you maintain that kind of level that you can? You, you, but I mean the the way that I mean I don't the, want to get into that too much relevance. Of this, but the cultural relevance is about breeding. Like they they have a really good way of being able to spin their controversy. But make absolutely no mistake, their brand is built on the whole show. I've watched about twenty minutes of one, and it's it's purely about controversy and conflict like it's it's terrible that's fine they're gaming the system yeah, that's it's the like, but that's let's not let's not pretend land. that they're not like they've somehow avoided um controversy and well i'm not saying people. that i'm saying yeah, that like they you, are you, very you don't see you don't see people. you don't see the uh, kim's mug shot showing up next to Lindsay lohan yeah you don't see an amanda Bynes. well yeah sex tape's not illegal they're playing the system bro They've got, you, yeah, yeah, They've got you, buddy. They've got you. They got you. How did they got they me? Got you, man. They that, got that twenty you. minutes you're you watched. One, like, that twenty minutes you're you watched. You're the one that made the segue from having uh, child actors come out like yeah, know, because not because, fucked up because to look somehow at, going look to at the, the Jenners. Look at the Jenner kids. They were like twelve or zero when all you know. You think Kim they're like what, well, well adjusted, well balanced people. I think that they are more well-adjusted and they've kept on the top of their game for longer than a lot of other people have. You look at Lindsay Lohan, Amanda Bynes. Staying on the top of your game and like being famous is not the same as well-adjusted. I mean, um, fucking- All uh, I'm saying is they're good business people. They've stayed at the top and they could be way more messed up. That's all I said. You know, we're not getting into semantics with de- your definitions on things like. Yeah, we don't um, know their psychology. We can't delve yeah. into that. We can only look at the surface level that we're shown of these people. It seems to be working out for them at this point. Mm. Com- comparatively, compared to Jake Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> Who had schizophrenia and like... Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Maybe the next season of the Kardashians. <laughs> keep you, I don't know if that show's still on, but it's like Jake Lloyd's just a character. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anyway. Ratings went through the roof. How did you get of the Kardashians? We've never done that before. Well, yeah, that's, that's why it was so weird that it got brought up. I have no idea how you segued into that. You, you decided to pick up on it as a problem. Yeah, because it's it so it fucking weird off-hand. that you segued to the Kardashians. It's just a little offhand comment about child stars. Like... 
Relax. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Relax. Sure. It's okay, Connor. Everything's gonna be fine, man. <laughs> Speaking of the Kardashians and Hollywood, here is a yeah. story from the Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> where, 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 where. David um, Hasselhoff. So we've got a little. Uh, is that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand the reference. Um, we're hearing some uh, some scuttlebutt here that Netflix is planning to test varying play speeds. Uh, so the same way that you can play a podcast at 1.5 times speed, they would want to be doing that with their shows, apparently. Now, I saw an Instagram stories from Kim Kardashian about this recently. <laughs> yeah. and what did she like, have to say? Whatever you say, I agree with Kim. <laughs> <laughs> you get, you're getting uh, a no, weird no, no, no. fucking eye from this. Um, I think this is inevitable. I don't necessarily love it. I've never listened to a podcast at 1.5 or 2 speed. I think it sounds really weird. No. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with it, but like in terms of uh, voice versus audio and visual, you know, I don't necessarily agree with it. Is, is it inevitable? Yes. Do people, are going to people have a problem with it? Yes. Um, have you guys ever, because this is something you can essentially do now with a, like a lot of things, you know, watch something on 1.2 times speed or something. Have you guys ever done this? I Maybe. think I've... I'm assuming this is how you get through as much as you do. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I know you. We've been. You've been able to do it on YouTube for ages, mm. and I've I've dicked around with it, but I don't think I've ever actually like watched something consistently on a on a higher speed. Mm. I may have tried a podcast once or twice yeah. at a higher speed, it's but odd. It is a bit strange, particularly if you're used to hearing something at a certain cadence. Jumping up to a um, even 1.5, it's just it just feels odd. To chip monkey. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting older, and I I. I drink alcohol like an Australian would. So my brain is just not what it used to be. Yeah. I can't follow no. things at one time speed most of the time. Yeah. I can't imagine people would so be getting much out of this. Is this the idea that like is the concept behind this that people want to get through more shows quicker? I would yeah, say definitely say I so, yeah. So. so on a podcast, I get that. That makes more sense to me because I've always considered podcasts, no offense, guys, disposable. So I, I could say that. Well, not even just disposable, but the main, the way the way I listen to podcasts is often to get as much information into my brain as efficiently and quickly as possible. Mm. Um, By having Joe Rogan talk around yeah. topics yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at nauseum. Or like, I, you know, I, I have a lot of like news podcasts that I'll like, you know, 10 minute podcasts of like sum up the news for the day or kind of go into an issue and, and explain it or, or any number of things. Um, and I don't feel as though the cadence of someone's speech or how quickly they speak is as important in a podcast, typically speaking. Like there's a couple of podcasts that I probably wouldn't do that with. Like, you know, Dan Harmon might be one because that's more of a performance piece and it's not really about relaying information. It's really about the timing and the comedy of it. Mm. But TV feels like a completely different medium because it's not necessarily about that, right? Unless you're watching a documentary, it's not just about getting information from A to B. It's a, it's very much about the craft of it. How do you put that information in front of someone? And the idea of going up to 1.5 feels a little bit more distracting or a little bit more, it feels a little bit like heresy. And I know that's, again, being quite hyperbolic about it, but like, no, that's no, the I kind completely of, agree. That's what it feels agree. like. You're under talking it. I'm a complete purist when it comes to this stuff. I don't even want to look at my phone when I'm watch some, watching something in a dark room on my giant TV. Yes. I, won't, yeah. I won't watch something on my laptop. Uh, like, I, I just try and really focus on the thing I'm watching. The idea of watching it at 
a, a speed that wasn't intended is crazy but, to me. And, and people are allowed to have the right to do that, and I don't want to hear about it, all right? Because it'll make me angry. But something interesting we used to do at the cinema back in the day when it was on celluloid was mm. if there was a session and you were running behind, you could give the projectionist a nudge and basically say, hey, can you bump this up to like 26 frames a second mm. as opposed to 24? And you would shave off three minutes of the film yeah. Um, and end up or, or 25 frames a second or something and then you know you would get back there but that's a very marginal you know that that's that's stretching one uh, percent of the film or something yeah. if we're getting into 1.2 1.5 two times you know we're losing a lot of nuances yeah we're losing deep bass rumbling tones you know pauses um, as you correctly said Connor there's just so many more nuances mm. that can happen with can you imagine film. watching 2049. In 1.5 or 1.2 or whatever whatever it is that they're going to offer. That would be weird, and, right? And at mm. the end of the day, with a podcast, it's just like as long as the voice, you can still understand it. You know, it doesn't really matter what speed you you are listening yeah. to. It's just, is it I mean, audible or is it not audible? probably wouldn't want to listen to Ben's voice that much higher and squeakier, but... No. <laughs> no. It would be insane. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention my own. You crazy Which bastard. would be equally as terrifying. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, Death like like this. you said, Death going up to like twenty five or twenty six pr- frames per minute, or sorry, per second to hit per minute, <laughs> um, to to shave off one or two minutes um, on a session time is it's not noticeable. You're not going to notice a pitch change. You're not going to notice a a speed change. And it was always for a good reason, so we could clock off earlier. Exactly. <laughs> it's not <laughs> a good reason um, for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not what happened. <laughs> That is absolutely um, what happened. <laughs> I don't work there, man. I don't have to. I don't have to protect the integrity of the film, like the, that industry. Um, but uh, you don't. Not really. This isn't your contract. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, one point two is like a completely different ballpark range. So, so nuts to this. I guess none of us would really want to do that, huh? No. Balls up. Hmm. Do so. All right, all right. We don't agree with it. Do you think that people should have the option to I, do that? Yes. I, I would rather they didn't. But do you think people should have the option? Yes. No, uh, well... Live your life how you want to, as long as it doesn't interfere with my shit. Exactly. So I'd prefer they don't have the option to do things differently than I want them to. <laughs> so and I, I will give you a, a reason why they shouldn't. Because, and, and it's not a great reason, but it is a reason nonetheless, which is the slippery slope reason of... How much control do we give viewers on mm. the property that filmmakers make? So, for example, if Scor- you know, let's say Scorsese makes a film and 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 puts it out there into the world, how easy should we be to make it? Sorry, that was almost English. Um, how easy should the platform of Netflix or whoever it is that's making these decisions make it for people to chop and change and uh, do weird things with? the the film like how much should we be able to change it and that speed is make no mistake changing the film so if we then are able to we talked about this a while back with um but then Deadpool it is giving coming you- out with a, a, a both an r-rated and a non-r-rated film are we going to start having films that come out with both so when you go to netflix or like do you want your r-rated do you want your m-rated do you want your you know pg do it's you like, want it's like airplane versions of like exactly, heavily censored right? films like i just I have to uh, pretend they don't exist because I hate that idea so much. 
I, yeah, so how much control do we give the audience? I mean, you know, you could argue, is it a tool? Is it any different to rewind and fast forward, you know, skipping mm. ahead to chapters? But I guess you're consuming the material at in a different way to intended. So then is it bad to watch a movie on your smartphone versus a cinema? You know, so many variables in here. I just think, like, if people want it, like, give it to them. I'll just never do it, nor will my household <laughs> if you if any no, nobody Jesus. steps into my Coming house no child of mine no, no child of mine not even 1.1 1. 1. fuck that <laughs> shit i'm yeah. just imagining like george coming home seeing his wife like you know, watching something yeah. one point five and just being shocked like that, like finding another man type thing. <laughs> except it's that's such a classic trope. Like in Dad's house, Dad has control yeah, of the yeah, telly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what he no, says I, goes. I, I do and think same with an... motion blur on the TV. Mm. None of that. None of that. Absolutely not yeah. allowing that. I, I I do think that there is some validity with the outrage from from filmmakers specifically saying that's not how I wanted to watch it. Because even if, as you said, George, the the watching it on a phone. It's still the same thing, right? It's still the same, um, you know, art form essentially. It's, you're just it's either bigger or smaller, and I think that that is an acceptable, you know, variation to make on. Boils that. my blood, brother. Yeah, <laughs> can't handle that. I don't like. <laughs> Have it you at seen all. that David Lynch iPhone ad? No. You think you've experienced the phone on your fucking telephone? Get real. The phone <laughs> on your telephone. The uh, film. On the, film. the film. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. No, and I would agree with him. Like, I think if yeah. you're going to watch a film, like the only thing that I would watch on my phone in terms of films, what I, which I don't watch. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Would, yeah, exactly. <laughs> would be the only way to see it. Would be something yeah. that I had already seen and I am just like watching on the bus that I have no particular, um, you know, heavy investment into. Disgusting. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, the main thing here is none of us should ever hear about each other's watching habits because... Well, none of us are going to watch it at 1.5, so it doesn't matter. But any, I don't want to know about any of this Wait stuff. Wait until somebody starts watching it on their watch. I started watching That's The Dark Knight on my phone the other day. Oh, yeah. George tells, me, <laughs> George tells me he watches things on his phone on the bus or something. I'm like, I'm just going to grin and bear that shit because yeah. I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> just in time for this, man. I need Sometimes to maintain I my just... friendship with you. So I'm going to present Two yeah. things I've watched. Two things. Live and let live. Oh, no. Three. Three. Civil War, I know, was one of them. Civil. No, it was... Um, that's the first four, one, then. Breaking Bad, El Camino, the third one. You watched El Camino let's, on your let's phone. Let's move on to the next segment. <laughs> you did of a the review podcast. on that thing. You watched that for the first time on your phone. The end part, yeah. You're sick. The end part. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Folk> yourself. <laughs> what time is it? It's trailer, it's trailer time. time. Yes. All right. First up, we have mm-hmm. The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels like. Pretty close after the last trailer came out. Maybe that's just me. Um, there seems to be you. more trailer or hype for for this than there is uh, for Rise of the Skywalkers. Almost. Mm. Um, Rise of the Skywalkers. Rise of the Skywalkers. Um, irrespective of that, cool trailer. Love the opening uh, audio. What's that dude's name? Uh, the uh, the guy that was doing the voiceover that's got the oh Werner Herzog yeah. God he's just got such a hectic voice bounty hunting is a complicated profession really I interesting know. accent <laughs> so good I, yeah what a great get for the I show I loved the the dialogue around you know the order has gone and and you know was there something good that the empire brought to the table yeah like the question like is it more peaceful now like, yeah clearly indicating which is that always it's the not. it's always the case when you have any kind of revolution which is that you know there's going to be this period of unrest and i think that it's really interesting that they're going in and they're exploring that there was a lot of questions when um the force awakens came out 
where people were kind of yes. going like, what, I mean, how did the First Order come out? Why is like, everything just the same yeah. as yeah, exactly. before like, the last movie when they won the war? Like, yeah. this is so much more narratively interesting and satisfying Completely. to see the consequences of that first trilogy. And, and, and paralleling it, our, the, the way movies are made, the way characters are portrayed now compared to 30 years ago. You mm. know, it's a lot more complex. Mm. And that's what people want to see. And that's what we're seeing in this. We're getting the gray area. Yeah, we're not getting yeah. light and dark. We're getting something in between. And that's fascinating. <clears throat> That's fascinating to yeah. me. No, I think this... I mean, beyond that, the trailer um, showed a little bit more action um, and uh, even had some dialogue of The Mandalorian, um, which I swear it sounded so much like Nathan Fillion. Um, it kind of... It threw me a bit. Mm. Um, what was his line? Cool, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. got it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just... Really classic interested. catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> really episode. interested in in the the action of this. Um, I will say one thing: there was a couple of scenes, particularly in space or where something was flying, that I got Star Trek vibes. I am totally with you. Right? It looked like the first time I've ever seen Star Wars be like, "Wow, that looks composited on top of a helicopter drone shot." Mm. Yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit strange. To be I know honest, exactly what you mean, dude. And um, I, I was kind of, I was trying to figure out how I felt about that because, you know, I don't want to be one of those people that it's like it doesn't feel like Star Wars and therefore can't be Star Wars because at this point the universe is is becoming large enough that we have to be able to accommodate for different styles. And also, yeah, this shows mo seems to be it doesn't feel like Star Wars in, exactly in a, right. In a so different I mean, way. there there has to be that allowance, but then. You know, it, it is un- it feels uncomfortable those scenes because I'm like, uh, yeah, well, I don't think it's not executed as well as it normally is. It, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's just different and I don't like it, or or whether it is just genuinely not up to the standard of of what we've normally seen. But other but, than that, the general production design, the color palette, stellar. It just looks fantastic. Yeah, this uh, show better be great. It has if, to. If be, this right? show's just good, I'm gonna be so bummed. Yeah, I'm gonna check out of Star Wars forever. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've I've this had the last kernel I mean, of hope. Apart from community, oh. I have had a ring or like a, a like a a set of really good um TV shows. I'm, I'm watching Watchmen, I'm watching Letterkenny. Um I'm I am I feel like I only have room from now till like Christmas to consume really good content. And that's all I will accept. Mm. That gleeful look is just contagious. I'm so excited because, like, I mean, I, I just finished the second episode of Watchmen. Like, I'm really keen to talk about that with, with Ben. And uh, I was oh, thanks, keen to- man. Well, I, no, was keen, I was keen to talk about well, it with you, a but lot, man. You, didn't, you didn't even have the ability to watch it on you your phone. You didn't want me to. Why didn't you watch I it on your phone? You, this is, you wanted this You could have. I told him not to watch it on his phone. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> don't want, don't want him doing that. Skip the review and <laughs> yeah. watch it properly. I was like, thank you, sir. Um, no you go away, watch it, and we'll talk. iPad, I don't know. Jesus. But, yeah, I just, I feel like we're in this kind of- Phase where if Mandalorian is really good, then I've got pretty much now until Christmas like sewed up. Please call your grandma and tell tell her this. Like, grandma, this is good news. I've only got great content until Christmas. My grandma so content. Yeah, yeah, just like call the other, call the cousins. Call that would her. be such a weird conversation. Tell the whole family like you're the good word, the good news. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I'm excited for good yeah, TV. That'd be, it'd be I'm really saying, weird to express that on a podcast oh, oh. about movies and TV, wouldn't Nerd. it? Nerd! Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I haven't picked the right medium for this Definitely kind of not. stuff. 
I'm too normally anti-establishment. So, sorry, We're too anti-establishment here. I am normally here. so <laughs> pessimistic about this kind of shit. And the one time, know, the one fucking time, George, that I express some level of excitement about what's happening in this world, and you have to tear me down. Yeah, we're going right. to crush it. Doesn't look You're good on you. You're a fucking piece of shit. I'm back to <laughs> being pessimistic. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fucking A. All right, should we move on? Yes. Mandalorian. Um, we're just going to talk about that again. Uh, no, uh, next is The Grudge. Um, again, again, hmm. which would make this the sort again? of the fourth grudge film. Is there four? Well, actually, I think there's close to like six if you count all the variations. So there's right. the Wan, Wanu, or how do you pronounce it? Juon, Juon film, which yeah. I think there's only one of. There's the Grudge, which is the American remake of that. There's Sarah the Michelle Ring, one. Mm-hmm. which is effectively a knockoff of that. No, separate. Is that completely separate? separate? I thought that was separate. also based off of uh, Ringu. There's an original Japanese. Oh, sorry, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that is separate. All right. So actually, I'm. I've. I've. I've so that up a this bit. is the second English language remake. Well, actually, so there's there a Grudge a... two, three. I don't think four, but I but do the know. Sec- the second grudge. remake. Yes. Um, which is fairly unusual. It's and weird, isn't it? I am the one thing that's weirding me out about this, and it's going to be a major problem for me to overcome, is that I'm missing the J-horror aspect. Mm. You know, what was so cool about that original Grudge one was it's like they're bringing, you know, that was Flavor of the Month back then, the early noughties. It was like that J-horror thing. You know, it was cool to see Hollywood embracing that. Are you talking bring- about Juan or the, the remake? The, the the grudge from the Sarah Michelle Gellar one. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. really liked that one because it brought in those ingredients um, over from, from the Japanese horror. Did that have like the original director at least as a consultant or? Potentially, potentially. I, there, I remember there being some level Ring of involvement. Two, in Ring it. 2 had the original director, director. from Ring U yeah. come over. Mm. Which, it was and terrible. It was awful. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it I, didn't I, translate well. But, but basically what I'm trying to say is I'm – I'm not enjoying this because it's missing that that edge to it. This is just like a bog standard conjuring esque looking kind of. It doesn't uh, have film. the same kind of feeling Fucked to it. And there was the I remember watching that film and being really fascinated because they were talking about um, incorporating aspects of Japanese horror culture and that, like for example, it's very common in Japanese horror that the good guys don't win or like the 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 that your fate is kind of inevitable with these types of things. So yeah, the grudge is going to fucking get you. It's not like you, you defeated the, the, um, you know, you found how to defeat us with the power of love or something. And then everything goes back to normal. It's like, it chapter two. Take yeah, that Chris Nolan. It's fucking, your, <laughs> you both took very different yeah. takeaways from that. But, um, I liked that kind of not permanency, but inevitability mm. about, the the horror aspect. so brutal it's yeah. and it's and it's awesome and it makes it more mysterious but that scene of the the girl in the hallway without a jaw it was haunting for me for ages i was not okay with that but the ending of ringu is really interesting because it ends on quite a nihilistic dark tone but there's almost like this sort of mysterious haunting it's not really ringu dour or, or and dark. ringu ringu okay yeah not really down and like dour. It's kind of like, oh, fuck, it continues <laughs> going. Holy shit. Yeah. Like a ring. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, um, I haven't seen either version of The Grudge. I I thought this looked pretty cool. Okay. Okay. That that seems to be like for someone that really has been on a horror kick for the last, I don't know, 12 months. <laughs> I just, something about like a, a naughty Sarah Michelle Gellar horror movie didn't scream to me. Uh, is that actually worth watching? It is actually. I would actually. love yeah. to rewatch it. All right. It's got nothing on uh, uh, the ring. The ring. So, so you like both American remakes of those movies? Have you seen the originals? 
I have. I've never seen Juwan. I've, I've seen, seen Juwan. I haven't seen Ringu. Ringu. I've seen Ringu many Ringu times. A lot of years ago. Maybe yeah. two or three times I've seen Ringu. Okay. And I, I, I love them both for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Check them out. Yeah. Got, got, got a few. What, what did you actually think of the trailer though? I Sam Raimi produced. I think, uh, I listen, yeah. it looked very bog standard to me. I was. I missing. thought some of the imagery was pretty cool. I like. I actually was getting a little bit of a, a J horror vibe out of it. Okay. Maybe we'll see it more in the in the end product. Mm. Potentially, I, this seems too polished for it. But uh, um, I was I was digging the music, the composition. I'm not sure if the trailer was um done, but uh, by the composers of the film. But if they are, kind of keen. Mm. I actually looked them up. The Newton Brothers. They did Haunting of Hill House. Mm. The, um, okay, nice. Uh, the yeah, for that, that and also there's at least one other thing that was of interest recently. Doctor Sleep. Um, oh, cool. Was something that they did as well. Flanagan. Um, so yeah, look, I th- they seem to have some. Uh, oh yeah, Ouija, um, Origin of Evil. Uh, so they've worked Love with Flanagan quite a bit, actually. Also with Hush, um, and before I wake. Wow, major Flanagan collaborators there. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't know about you guys. The music for Flanagan's stuff has never been like the best thing about what he does. It's appropriate, though. But it is a. It is a. It is appropriate. It's 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 form fitting, uh, effectively. So, I think that that could be interesting. Yeah. Um, should we move on? Let's move on to number three. Keeping in with the Halloween vibe and and uh, the horror aspect, we've got Antlers, which we've we have talked about this before on the podcast Just recently. Yeah. Um, this is a new trailer. Um, one that I feel maybe sp- you know showed us a little bit too much. Potentially, but I'm hoping that because nothing stays in my mind anymore, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna forget everything. Yeah, and it showed it so out of context. It was one of those rhythm-based trailers that's just kind of throwing <laughs> shot <laughs> after shot at you. And I, I, man, it works well on me. I Great. think it's outstanding. Great music in this. Mm. Uh, yeah. I thought this was just outstanding and, and and a great editing job to match the music. This this looks cool. This looks really really cool. Really mm. interesting concept. Um, but yeah, I just can't shake the fact that I've seen too much of the the film, or at least too much of the reveal of the monster. And it looks a little more atypical to what you'd expect with a, a Del Toro production credit. Mm-hmm. It's a little less whimsical. Still got that, but a little less whimsical and that sort of. And there's plenty of room for them to get plenty whimsicals. <laughs> we can dial that whimsicalness in. Yeah. Um, speaking of, I suppose, whimsical, um, our next trailer is Little Joe. Little Joe. Um, I love this. I love this. The, uh, I'm the really, happening too. really loving this. I think this is tapping into a lot of interesting things that are sort of going on in society uh, now. And obviously sort of extrapolating that to the nth degree um, in, in, in this in this uh, film, but you know th- this sort of this new this new sort of house plants, this new gadgets, this new lifestyle product coming out, and 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 the potential uh, you know interesting horror elements here. If you know this how this this plant comes to your house and it's potentially a well, it is alive, but you know what's it going to do to you and whatnot. I, I just think it's very, very interesting, and and it sounds a bit more sinister than I, it's it's a lot less sinister than I'm making it out to be. But um, I, I just thought this the presentation was really great. I thought the look of the plants themselves, the 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 far the the whole production design looked great. I, I was very impressed with this. I was so very very impressed. My with initial this. reaction was 
somewhat similar to yours. I thought that there was going to be more of a social commentary because they basically were saying, we're going to drug people to be happy. And that feels very sci-fi kind of like take your pills and move on. And, and it, it is reflective of something that we seem to be looking for in society now, which is how do I just be happy? No one wants to work for that happiness. No one wants to want, wants to actually, you know, um, kind of find that within themselves. They want a product that is going to get that for them. So I thought that this was, I was like, oh, cool. That, that, you know, it seems like it's going to be more of a commentary on that. And then it took a bit of a, what I would, maybe a, a typical turn, which I was a bit disappointed with. Like, it's just like, oh, the plant is evil. And maybe I'm not giving the movie enough credit. Like, you know, it's just a trailer. There might be more twists than we've seen. But from what I saw, that's pretty much the crux of it. The, the plant just turns out to be evil. Let's and they're see, give let's a- see. I think this, the presentation was sophisticated enough to for me to believe that there's potentially more to it than the trailer sort of, there's more to it than what the trailer offers. Yes. I hope so. so. So many horror movies um, have a really interesting kind of allegorical premise and don't necessarily deliver on it. It turns into something much more literal by the end or or just kind of mixed in its messaging. Yeah. Um, so hopefully this can, can uh, really stick the landing because it was a cool trailer. Very intriguing. Yeah. I really, really, really love that. Mm. I think that if this movie is good, it will get, it will be good based on the performances um, and the, not the vibe, but the um, atmospheric um, effects. Um, not because it's it's well, like it's a good plot or well written or anything like that. If it turns out to be a stealth remake of Little Shop of Horrors, I'm all about it. Yeah. <laughs> or an origin story or something like that. Feed me, Seymour. Um, yeah. There so is a remake I think happening of that. That is a remake. And there's another one. Whoa. In the pipeline. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Anyways. Don't do it. It's perfect. Um, are we going to do question of the week or are we going to go into Watchmen review? Let's do, a, let's do question of the week. Okay. Uh, I'm happy to do that. If you guys are cool. Yep. Yeah. I've got uh, an answer. Well, you know, we've got to have a question first before you can give the answer. <laughs> no, I want to give the answer and I want people to guess the question. <laughs> right uh, in yeah, with your question. Sorry, my bad. Right in with our question. <laughs> <laughs> we got Halloween coming through and uh, mm. you know, a few of us love horror films. And uh, yeah, here we go. It's a simple one. What is your go-to Halloween horror movies? Okay. So movies. I don't have... Like, I don't watch movies seasonally. You know, a lot of people watch Die Hard at Christmas time or, or you know, any, any number of Christmas films or, or uh, have films for Halloween. I don't do that. However, if I want to put on uh, or rewatch a horror film, I often go to The, the Woman in Black um, as a kind of easy-to-watch staple. Um, so if I had, like, a Halloween go to it would be that um and i don't necessarily know why i think it is a really effective and just kind of classic something's moving in the background type film and i love that it doesn't pretend to be any more than it is it uh it looks good it delivers on the scares um, it's got Harry Potter in it. It's got Harry Potter in it. God damn. I think that's one of the things that I was so impressed about with this film, which is that, you know, I thought I was going to be so distracted by the fact that it's Daniel Radcliffe. It's it's the um, Harry Potter guy. And I think this is the first film that I had watched 
him outside of that franchise. Mm. And within 10 minutes, I mean, the first 10 minutes was wonky because they were trying to tell me that I had like, like this guy had a kid and all that. And I was like, I'm not fucking watching the yeah. you know He's prologue to, to Harry Potter or anything like that. But within the first 10 minutes, I was like, I'm on board. Like I, I completely forgot that this was Harry Potter and I, and, and I was on for the uh, journey. So that for me is the kind of go-to, if I just want to chuck a horror film on um, and enjoy it, uh, that's the one to do. Although that might change now with Haunting of Hill House. That might be a, a one that I'll chuck on again. Yeah, the, I, I really do love The Woman in Black. Uh, Benny, do you have any go-tos? So one I watched a lot as a kid, one of the, the few scary movies I watched as a kid, one of them was Gremlins, but that's very definitely a Christmas film. Um, the, the closest I had to like a, a Halloween staple would have been uh, uh, Hocus Pocus. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah, with, yeah. Uh, Bette Midler and... Yeah. Uh, I've never seen that until recently and I didn't even see it. I was yeah. passively watching it. <laughs> uh, just stepping in here and there. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, that is one of the ones from my childhood that I have never really revisited and I have very, very fond memories well, of. you might not have to because it, it, are they making a remake? They're looking at doing something with the property, yeah, because it's one of those ones from our generation that people are always banging on about even though yeah. it's probably awful. Um, although the, um, the lead actor in it, the, the young man... I, the kid, I've never seen him in anything else except for this series called Eerie Indiana, which was this okay. weird little short-lived TV show. I think it might have been Canadian even that was uh, sort of like a monster of the week, weird little mystery nice. show. Which, uh, the kind of thing that I really ate up as a kid. Things yes. that were a little too scary for me yes. that I absolutely loved. Um, when I was getting a little older, the, the, the first really proper adult scary movie I think I, I saw and fell in love with was The Descent, um, directed by Neil Marshall. What a um, movie. Ooh, yeah. Which I could barely get through at the time, but mm. but loved every second of it so much and have rewatched so many times. Which version do you wa- watch if you rewatch it? The only it? version. There's only one version of this movie. If we got anyone listening in America and you have seen The Descent and you thought, oh, that ending sucked, look up the, the story behind that movie. Because <laughs> there's an actual version of that film from the UK that has a, a, a few minutes extra on it that is so much better. And the whole movie's ruined without it. It's yes. so bizarre. Um, anyway, that movie's so rewatchable because there are so many parts. So without, I'm not even going to discuss the, the main plot of the film. A bunch of women go spelunking in a cave and things go wrong. Um, when upon rewatching it, there are so many instances where you get let in on what is actually happening in that movie that you have never noticed the first time. It's yeah. amazing. Actually quite similar to the woman in black in the, the way it uses things in the background, mm. little details. And, but I say more subtly. In the descent, yeah, like so hard to see on on the crappy TV I had all the way back then. Yeah. Um, Just as a quick, because well, I, I I did look it up, the Hocus Pocus thing will be on Disney Plus actually, the remake. Yeah. So they are it's there officially you go. going ahead. You can ahead. tune in. Go. 2020. Gonna leave that one alone. <laughs> um, and then finally, I actually just watched one last night that I think is really worth a look. Uh, it is called Wounds. It is on Netflix. Um, it's starring Army Hammer and Zazie Beetz. Um, it is a very, it's about a bartender in a small town. Um, one night a fight breaks out at his bar. Someone leaves their phone behind and then he's at home much later that night and he starts getting texts on the phone from someone clearly in very mortal distress, um, saying, oh, we shouldn't have fucked with that book. I'm really scared right now. Um, and basically he, he finds some very disturbing material on the phone and it, it kind of escalates from there. Uh, I was so it sounds cool. So fascinated by this movie. You have to watch it, George. I think you'd be interested. Some of the words have been a bit mixed. I was surprised to see because I loved it. Okay. Um, and it, it really has this cosmic horror kind of Lovecraftian vibe to it. Nice one. And also cool. a lot going on under the hood in terms of the themes and everything. 
Uh, it spoke to me like crazy. I really recommend giving this one a go Wounds. for Halloween. Wounds. Wounds. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I, I really liked it. Okay. Wow. So you guys went on lots of different pathways. I mean, like for, for me, a ha- Halloween film is, is kind of different to a horror film for me in that I kind of want it to be one of those sort of popcorn. Mm. Everyone's kind of having a good time, not only just getting freaked the fuck out. So those two for me that I love and I go to is Scream 1 and uh, Final Destination 1. <laughs> and I also oh, love wow. 3. Um, they mm. were on at the hotel I was staying at uh, recently. The, the, one of them came on. And I just was like, I love Final Destination. I've got such a soft spot for them. And mm. they're that entertaining kind of just so ridiculous. Are they and and Scream them? is very, very satirical. No. Oh, the Final Destinations? There might be, you know. They, final, were, they, they went they went yeah. for a while like there was like they must have gotten seven in or something oh, i think they had the final destination like all the franchises were doing them but then they had like a seven after that as yeah, well yeah. final final <laughs> we final. mean it this time it was like fast and furious yeah, like yeah. fast and yeah. furious fast furious, furious. furiously fast. Fast, fast, or fast we are really running out of ideas on how to like combine these two words but then I also love, I feel like my go-to horror is Insidious 1 and Insidious 2. I just really love those two as a little mm. two-hander. And then as a recommend, I think I've mentioned this many times, but Oculus, I rewatched that again recently. Oculus. And, and if you're looking for a horror film, get involved on Oculus. Mike Flanagan, one of his early ones, is a really, really great film. If you're a horror fan, a horror aficionado who hasn't seen this one and are looking for something that does something a little different... Um, it's not just another haunted house movie, you know, all, all uh, credit to the conjuring for being a really good version of that, but it is kind of just another one of those check out Oculus because it is, it really blew my mind. It goes places. Yeah. It's like a, a horror movie that takes place after a horror movie. Yes. I'm always, I'm always, it gives me a bit of a chuckle when you talk about insidious because that for years has been a very contentious film between you and me. Yeah. Yeah. Simply because of like the last 20 minutes. And is that the one like, with Darth Maul in it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have seen it. All right. Yeah. Have you, you have you seen the second one as well? No. Because that is an absolutely brilliant. Well, I commander. never watched the second one because I hadn't seen. I thought I hadn't seen the first one, and the second one was the only one that was on streaming. But now I know I have seen the first Re- one. Rewatch the first one before <laughs> you watch the second right. one. Right. Right. Let's important. let's do a session because I need to rewatch that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And even Insidious Three, which is that the keys one? No, that's the last key. But the third one sucks. Are you confused with Sinister? Because that's the one that has like the death metal bad guy in it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Third one I didn't think was terrible it wasn't terrible the key one i didn't like i didn't i gave up on the key one yeah, i didn't say the key, key one. one was dumb it's just like three was you know they had done a good thing with two and they were just trying to capitalize on that which was you know it's not great but i, I can forgive them for that yeah um but yeah one and two definitely well worth a watch and like within and relatively, they weave the second one weaves into the first one so nice almost I've better than any other film that. so nice i've ever seen and mm. it, it is and it, those kind of things can irritate me oh he was behind that corner the whole time you know so it's the back to the saw, future part two of saw seven <laughs> There yeah, was a guy like, standing behind that corner who was watching the guy standing behind that corner yeah. who was watching the guy standing behind that corner. Final Destination did that really well, though. Did they? With one of them, yeah. Uh, I don't know. If I don't know which ones I have and haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> like we said, there may be seven. One of the later ones 16. connects to the very first one yeah. oh, in okay. a really interesting way. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, hey, there we have it. Question of the week all done. And now into the Watchmen review. I'm going to jet because <laughs> I, I don't like hear anything about this. Hold him here and make him listen. <laughs> can, no, you guys, can you guys just give me a little teaser? Was it good? Yes. Was it bad? Uh, still loving it. Cool. 
Very um, satisfied. And also Dark Fate next week. What's up? Terminator. See ya. All right. See you, George. See ya. Have a good one. See ya. <laughs> See ya. Only five films for Final Destination. That's weird. Final that doesn't destination sound two, right. Three, the final destination. Final destination five. Oh, there you go. How bizarre! Wasn't it crazy when? <laughs> um, uh, okay, so Watchmen. 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 Uh, Fuck. So you're you're you sound more enthusiastic than last week. Um, I am. I mean, it's coming together. First, first week was was really interesting, but that that kind of scared me, right? Because mm. it was like they have posed a lot of questions, they set a lot of things up, and this is really going to come in with how they tie everything together. Um, and look, that concern still is valid for me. Of course. But they have maintained a level of quality and intrigue with with the second episode. So I'm kind of on board with that. Yeah. The, like the, the, the term appointment viewing is something that I've considered actually having for myself so rarely. Like, What is appointment viewing? Like, you know, you have to be here at this time every week to watch the oh, okay. show. Yeah, gotcha. Like, yeah. clear your schedule at this time. And I, I've been watching this, like, the minute it comes out. Oh, wow. Um, because I'm just so keen and excited. And, I, you know, I've watched the first episode twice before I watched this. Um, I've been reading all the supplemental material on the website, of which it seems like they're doing new stuff every week, which is very exciting because it's just so much like the comic, which has a chapter, then in between chapters there's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm just so immersed in this world right now. I'm reading the comic the, the original graphic novel again. And I'm really, I'm so enthusiastic about the show. I feel like I'm probably blinded to, like you could be sitting here right now saying this second episode was terrible and nothing happened. And I'd be like, no, what? <laughs> like, I'm so, yeah. it's so good. I'm so pumped up for it. I mean, it's, if, if I were to think about it, there wasn't an awful lot that happened. No, but, but the way I mean, it, it expanded, doesn't matter, right? the, yeah, the way it expanded what we got from the first episode was, I just pitch perfect. I thought, yep. like, I loved. So it opens again with a flashback. Um, this time, even further back, it's the boy from the first, the, the Tulsa race riots. Father, the, his, his father, father at yeah. war in World War One, getting what is apparently a real flyer that um, the Germans sent out to or mm-hmm. dropped on 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 uh, black soldiers at the time, um, basically saying like, "Why are you fighting for these people?" Um, which is so interesting, and that's what he wrote that note on that we got in the first episode. Um, and it's just leading to some really interesting story avenues. Like, it's it's tying in with the original in so many interesting ways. We get a, a very Ryan Murphy-style American horror story, American crime story, yeah. retelling to the pop culture of the actual Watchmen characters, the Minutemen. Um, and that, that hooded justice character, it seems, is very strongly hinted to be the old man in the wheelchair. Um Based on what you'd like, what you know from the comics and the the other okay. material, um, there's like I thought, so much going on there that that is um, leading tying those into each other. Okay, I that that surprises me because I thought that there was a scene um, at the end where he's kind of gone bug eyed that he's quite clearly white. Yes, absolutely, but that's just a TV show. That's the retelling. Okay, because yeah, in yeah, the in yeah, the gotcha, comics gotcha. in the comics he's one of the few Minute Men who they never find out the identity of. They just have yeah. theories about who he might be. Um, so I, I think they're doing a lot of interesting stuff there, uh, you know, not the least of which is the, the man in the wheelchair, of course, hanged a guy. Yeah. Um, which they still haven't given an answer to. No. Um, um, which no, I find really no, just, fascinating. Just more and questions. And I, I was one of those viewers back in Lost when they would, 
they would throw out something absolutely ridiculous <laughs> and the rest of the world would be like, what the fuck? And I'd be like so excited because I just love this I mean, they, I mean, Lost is probably a fairly high bar to set for in terms of ridiculousness. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily know that I want this to kind of do those kind of leaps. Well, I just mean, what I'm talking about is this episode just ends with a giant magnet coming out of the sky and taking and away this character, yeah. taking away, and I'm just like floored. I'm like, yes, but, I'm but so feels excited as about though that. That is, that is consistent with this this world. Absolutely, yeah. Like that could yeah. happen. Like it, it's like, perfect. Okay, it's yeah. both. You know, yeah. It's just because yeah. it's this crazy alternate reality that's much more technologically advanced than ours. Um. Anyway, so we we, we we both enjoyed the episode. Should we talk yeah. about uh? The, do, yeah. Yes. I, that's what I want to talk about. Like that's that's I was like gobsmacked while watching this. Like. Kind of, um, and again, still don't know the answer. Exactly. So th- uh, we so should this- be a little bit more specific because we haven't actually said anything. So this is the um, Jeremy, Jeremy Irons, Irons. Is he Adrian Vite? Is he Doctor Manhattan? The question we posed last week, which they advanced. They well, they they didn't offer answers, but they gave so much more information this week. But so much you more still don't have any answers, which so is such a perfect that, balance. One thing that was made very clear is mm. that Doctor Manhattan cannot look like a human. Well, apparently. Th- yeah, so that, that was something they talked about was the notion that people on Earth find that notion ridiculous. Yes. Um, regardless of what, it, what the actual answer well, whether is. Whether that's true or not. We don't have any actual evidence to say that that is true or of not. Of course. And the other thing we found out is that Jeremy Irons pretty much has to be one of those two characters because he's recounting events in his play and using direct dialogue that only those two characters were present for. Yeah. Um, which is the the birth of of Doctor Manhattan, that whole story, which is of course John Osterman would know all about that, and but a lot of it would be public record as well. And then there is the line at the end where he says, "Nothing uh, ever really ends," which is uh, from the very end of the comic, which was spoken between just those two. Um, so, I love how they've maintained that level of like, who is he? Yeah, because there's so much evidence to say that he's Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, um, and on Mars, and but, I think and, but one he of the so things clearly that they seems will... like Vite as well. So one of the things I think that they will do, mm. and I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest this, is that um, Dr. Manhattan is on Mars, but that everything that we are witnessing is on Mars. Mm. So the tomato or tomato um, uh, tree, mm. which is... Not right. Not <laughs> <Yeah>. correct. <laughs> yeah. um, the the clone people. Clones, yeah. Um, all disturbing. fits with a world that Dr. Manhattan could have created, mm. which I think is quite cool. Now, a cool theory, something I was sort of coming upon completely different to that is that um, he's Adrian Veidt and he's working on recreating the creation of Dr. Manhattan, possibly for himself, um, because he's created this play, which is literally a recreation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he's trying to get that perfect to set it up again. Um, so he can finally become that messianic savior. But another interesting theory I've had is that he's already done that experiment and he has become that, but it is Adrian Veidt, but he's become a, a Manhattan of some sort because we're seeing his anniversaries. He, this episode had his second anniversary. The first episode was his first anniversary. So that is, what is that? Because it's clearly just days going yeah. by. So what are they celebrating? Um, if maybe he's just been reborn as this, godlike being or something it, it's there's just so many questions and so few answers yeah. but so much information it's so much fun it's a playground i love so it so how intense was that uh burning alive yes scene that was amazing and it was just 
so unsurprising and so shocking at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Somehow. Right, you knew that this is like he was gonna fuck him up without any yeah. kind of remorse or anything like that. But at the same time, yeah, and the brilliant reveal that they're all clones and, mm-hmm. and just everyone's reaction to it. It's like I just can't wait to to know more. Yeah, if you guys out there have any theories on what's going on there, please let me know because I'm fuck, I'm I eating would, yeah. it up like crazy. I would love to know. But um, ultimately, has this been us gushing about this? Yeah. I think that this film, uh, or not film, um, this TV show so far has posed a lot of questions. Um, it has set an amazing tone. It, it musically fantastic, beautiful. Um, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor are just hitting it out of the park. Mm. Um, I don't know. Uh, do you know what the actor's name? The main woman. Uh, yes, uh, Regina King. Regina King is fantastic. Yep. She is really spectacular in mm. this. Yeah, and, um, and her and a bunch of the other characters are drawing some very interesting parallels to uh, original Watchmen characters from mm-hmm. the first story. Like, not to sound like, um, you know, George Lucas, but, it, you know, it's, it, all, it all reflects. Like, it's, it's yeah. parallel to the original story. Um, I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see the way they run with that or subvert it going yeah. on. Um, I love the 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 Don Johnson uh, story advanced a little mo- a bit more. She found the the Ku Klux Klan uh, sheet, yeah, which I mean seems a bit obvious or overt. So I don't quite trust it mm. yet. Like I think it's really interesting. Like I just don't trust anything that. So this do you think, is putting forward? So what do you think happened in the flashback to the White Knight where she gets shot? Because that that ends on such a, a just cliffhanger like she gets shot and passes out we don't out. know who the second or how she was saved from the second shooter essentially yeah so my first thought of course was that it was a judd that the she hus- stabbed judd hus- in the shoulder because next time we see oh, him yeah, he's yeah, at yeah, a yeah, hospital yeah. bed and he's got like a stab wound or something or a bullet wound that that occurred to me yeah yeah um and there's a thinking of me that perhaps he's sort of a parallel to ozymandias in the original whereby he's orchestrated this white knight he's maybe not even a a, a, a white supremacist. Yeah, but he's just done this to give the police all that that's, power. So that's exactly what I thought. Yeah. Um. I didn't. I. I didn't necessarily think that he was the one that had gotten stabbed. But that is a really interesting thought. Mm. Um. But I did think that this was something that he had orchestrated in order to, um. You know, it's it's the kind of Watchmen nine eleven, right? We'll we'll take all your mm. um freedoms and and you know enact policies that allow us. Un, you know, unvetted access, mm. um, whatever have you. So that feels like the justification for it, mm. which I think will will become revealed. I think I think ultimately we're pretty set on that this guy is going to be evil. Although again, or not evil, so, but like some it, level, yeah. you know, um, complex, certainly. complex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I watched a, like a half hour interview with um, Damon Lindelof yesterday on Collider, which was really interesting and really encouraging. I love the way he just uh, gushes about the original property mm-hmm. and it's clear that he has so much love for it. And his history with this project or just making a Watchmen project of some kind is is really great. And I love the way that he initially he resisted it for many years because he didn't want to do it. He thought the original was so sacrosanct. Uh, and then it, more recently, two years ago or so, just came to the conclusion that if he doesn't do it, someone else is going to. And for him to have to watch that and know that he could have made something, yeah, um, he couldn't live with it. So he's he's had to go ahead and fly in the face of Alan Moore and just do it himself. Um, but the 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 interviewer and a lot of people 
have gotten review copies of the first six episodes and oh, word wow. is so good on all of that. So yeah. they can just nail I, those final three as well. I, and um, once the one thing you said, which was very clearly a reference to Lost, is that every good idea they've had, every bit of information they've come up with for this series, they're chucking into this one season as a complete story. Yeah. Um, but he's also not closed off to the idea of continuing that afterwards. But uh, I, I they want to make really it succinct, cool. like a, yeah. a good. Yeah, yeah. because that's, I, what, I that's what he loves that. about the original is that even though it ends and you want it to keep going, and you it's can this go one on. perfect yeah. uh, thing. Um, this is a bit of a, a, a not necessarily a segue, um, but. The, I really love the concept of adding on to an existing property or world. And I think it was best encapsulated by the idea of um, uh, Tolkien. Mm. For when he wrote the, the Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, his intention was that I have laid down this pretty, you know, substantial framework upon which I hope people build and... Um, continue and and it's obviously something that his son took up and mm. you know um, co-wrote the Samarillion and added to the lore and I mean the, the the there's so much in that universe now and I think that that's really cool that they're continuing on continuing it on with the um, Amazon series mm. um, so I yeah I I'm I'm completely down with the idea of people expanding on things I just I really love it when people do it in a way that is here's one digestible piece of yeah. cinema or books or trilogy or whatever have you. This can be consumed as one thing. Yeah, and they and do it in a way that to expand you can. And they do it in a way that's respectful but not slavish to the original. Exactly. Like, it doesn't just feel like a reboot or a remake. Like this really feels like he's taking the original and running with the themes and modernizing it and creating just like our generation's version of it. Yeah, it very much feels like thing. that. Yeah, <laughs> which is I I think is is spectacular, and I'm so I'm still so interested to see how this world formed into what it was. Mm. That to me is like I just I want to know because all the flashback scenes are things that actually happened in our world, mm. you know, in real life. I was mm. going to say in our world as opposed to that one, which is mm -hmm. equally valid. No, in real life, those are real events that actually happened, mm. and sometime between the 1920s and now something would have had to diverge significantly enough that, you know, we're witnessing a world that is entirely different. Might have been the giant squid attacks all over the world. That might have something to do with it, yes. A little bit. But I mean, like, culturally what changed? Like, how did that affect our culture? Mm. Well, Not just, like, the technology or, or anything like that. But Well, like the, I, I think what they've done such a great job of is you look at the American flag and it has just a, a lot more stars on it mm -hmm. um, than the, the real U.S. So... The way Dr. Manhattan influenced American superiority over the rest of the world through both technological means and by absolutely demolishing the Vietnam War um, and making Vietnam itself a state of the US, uh, that I love the way they are in so such subtle ways kind of showing how that has affected um, the world's greatest superpower into becoming mm -hmm. something even bigger and so different than the real world version. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like it could be so on the nose and some of the stuff is, but in fun ways, like, you know, all the, the mentions of Robert Redford as the president and everything. I just can't, have you looked at the website at all? No, I, I'm kind of, I mean, one is a time constraint, but the other thing is I, I sometimes like watching kind of films without the supplementary material. Mm. I'm at least upon my first go. Yeah, well, I there's yeah. something there's something different to it, and I think it also 
um, helps, you know, if one of us on the podcast delves in, like I, I haven't read the, um, the original, mm. uh, um, comic book or graphic novel either. So I'm coming from this point of like someone that has watched the film mm. and will watch the series. Yeah. And that- Fair enough. Um, to anyone else listening though, or to you eventually after you watch the whole thing or whenever you can get around to it, I really recommend it. It is so fascinating. Um, anything else? I think that about wraps it up. No, I think that, that just about does it. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. We can mention something that we didn't mention last time, which was just that fucking cow scene. Oh, man. How yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely and utterly brutal that this film appears to be. Like, there, there was another, like, a, um, a scene in this one where he uh, was getting the watch back and he, like, cricked back, like, the, the, the finger. burnt fingers. Yeah, I was like, yeah, fuck, yeah. that is oddly visceral and, yeah. you know, kind of disgusting. And that cow shooter, it was just meat chunks. Oh, just, flying everywhere yeah. it was outstanding <laughs> yeah no that was pretty spectacular all right well we'll be back next week for many things including many things. the review of episode three of watchmen so as well as tune in for that. dark fate we'll be watching terminator dark, terminator, fate. dark fate so a good a thing and show. a thing yeah yeah busy times all right we'll Anyways, see you next time see you next time bye ben bye connor bye bye george Uh, How will we stop the machine? (laughs) Quickly start pressing buttons!